thought it was going to... The show's off the rails! <laughs> haven't even started yet. Hello, 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 everybody. I am Pedro. And I'm Meredith. And this is Gritty Reboot, the grittiest damn show about reboots that there has ever been in the world. There's nails. Nails, there's, there's rust. Yeah. We're in a dirty environment. There's dirt everywhere. Exactly. The b- Behind us is like the background of a Streets of Rage game. Yeah, there That's you go. all that's here. This week is exciting. We are continuing it. Yeah. This time, we follow the Losers Club to the greatest era of all time, the late 80s. Yeah. We transport there to take a look at the 2017 remake, and uh, we're pretty excited about it because I'm going to ask you right now, is it your favorite Stephen King adaptation? Probably. Probably? You think so? Yeah. Like, faithful adaptation? You're just, a, yeah, I would say so. Well, I mean, it's however you want to rank it. Yeah, that, that's the thing. The but Shining. It's nothing like the book. The, the Shining isn't like the book at all. It's his own. It's just Kubrick's version of yeah. it. Yeah. Like, he, he read The Shining. He was like, all right, I got the gist. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'll, I'll figure it out. I, I'll, I'll get there, Stephen. I'll let you know. I don't know why he chose that book. You know, the weirdest part about that is there's a great story that his secretary would tell is that he wanted a new movie to do. So he went and picked up like a bunch of bestsellers and was like reading through them. And she would just be sitting there going through her papers and everything, getting everything ready. And like every like two hours, she would hear like a fuck and like a book hitting the wall or being thrown out in the lobby. And so she just gotten used to it over a course of a couple of days. And then like it was day three and she was working. She realized she hadn't heard anything in like five hours. So she went to go check him and he was just tearing through the shiny, uh-huh. tearing through it, which is really weird because that has a, a very slow start for a Stephen King book, a very mm-hmm. slow start. So it's kind of interesting that it, it captured him. But there was something, obviously, that he saw in it that he immediately knew he could turn into, into one of his masterworks. Yeah. So, And that's the thing. It, it only takes the framework of Stephen King's book and just kind of runs with it. So yeah. I think it is a kind of a peculiar adaptation in that way. But movies are movies. Books are books. Games are games. You know, you have to use some level of adaptation to get from one to the other. But out of all the movies that I've seen of Stephen King um, that I enjoyed... I it's a good movie. It is yeah. a good movie. Yeah, this version of it is is very good. It does make some changes from just the, this movie though. I'm, we're not. I'm excluding well, yeah. now. Now we aren't talking about chapter two. two just yet because this film was two hours and just under two hours and twenty minutes. It chapter two is three hours. Uh, both of these movies combined are significantly longer than the miniseries. Yeah. So with that being said, we have divided this into two episodes because it just makes sense. It's two different movies, uh, but we still have a lot to cover on both of these films since this does. Sort of try to tell what is kind of a retelling of the first part of the miniseries, but they basically had this idea of let's just tell the story about the kids and see if we can make that into a movie. Yeah. Because trying to do both storylines at the same time would be impossible in a two hour film. Yeah. And trying to have a movie to where you're hoping the first one's a hit so you can make the second one is a bad idea. So what they did here is almost make a standalone version of it with just the kids. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it feels. It leaves it open for a sequel, but it's not even strongly really like something that's going to occur, right? Yeah. The movie is a self-contained story that comes to an end. I like the way it's told. I I do, do. I do, too. I I didn't like the way the miniseries flop back and forth between the timelines. I never like that in movies. So when it was kind of split up like the way it is now, it, and, and it makes just, more sense. And that's me. just true to the book. Yeah. And that's just true to the book because you're, yeah. you're dealing with them as they are remembering everything as they get back to Derry. And as they start to recall stuff, Stephen King will just sort of drone on about things that happened to them, you know, in the past and everything like that. So there, as far as updates go, I think this is one of the stronger time updates that y- you might see. Because obviously we go from the the f- late 50s to the late 80s. Yeah. And that is, I think, a better change to put the finale in modern day. Because I think you, you kind of always want to do that. And it is weirdly a timeless story. So I, I think it works pretty well on, on the little things they do to update that, you know. Mm-hmm. I agree. Are you ready to kick this thing off? Yeah, let, let, let's get it started. Let's get it started. Feel like a black eyed pea. Was it the black eyed peas? Did let's get it started or let's get it started? Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. So in 2017, we got Finn Wolfhard, Jack Dylan Grazer, Jaden Martell, Wyatt Olaf, Sophia Lillis, and the incredibly creepy Bill Skarsgård in yeah. It Chapter One. He's a great, anyways. He absolutely is. 
you go. She's already captain. Thanks, Billy. There had been a long time since there was a big theatrical Stephen King adaptation. And that was something that had people hungry for another adaptation. Yeah. Because people love the work of Stephen King. A lot of people have read his books. And I think if, if I don't know how you can be an American and not just stumble onto a Stephen King book at some point in your life and attempt to read it. I've never read Stephen King. And that's fine, but you're still familiar with I'm his work. Will, yeah, you're very, very familiar. And... That was something that it became time to sort of rediscover because there was a lot of bad 90s and O's movies and reboots, versions of his stories, and enough time had passed to where a generation of filmmakers had grown up with these stories, not just, you know, read them at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about people who's, you know, had lived these kind of movies for years and had read Stephen King books over and over again as, as kids growing up on that kind of extreme horror. And that really shows in this adaptation. This is the 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 book. It is an eleven hundred page tome, and to adapt it is something like a mini series. Is is re- like a legitimate mini series with like multiple like episodes, like ten episodes or something like that. I mean, you would really need multiple hours to tell it incredibly faithfully. And I think this is such a strong adaptation, getting the gist of it. And I, I know I just kind of made the joke about that with. Stephen Stephen Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick in The Shining, but this is, like I said, a much longer work, and it does a better job putting that into a two-hour and 15-minute structure. Yeah. And it really does a nice job compressing parts of Stephen King's book into a three-act structure that works. And not just works, it's an incredible film with a few negatives. Yeah. With a few negatives. I haven't read the book, but I I can just go on my entertainment factor, and it was pretty high. Yeah, as, a, as an adaptation, it's great. And just as a film, and a I think horror it really movie, is it's fantastic. Great. Yeah. yeah, it's one of my favorite horror movies. So, yeah, let's get into it. Okay. It starts on a rainy day. Does it now? Obviously. Billy is making a sailboat for his little brother. He asked Georgie to go get the wax in the cellar. So, that we have this scene where Georgie is terrified of the cellar and he's apprehensive of going down, but he really wants to take the boat out. So he needs the wax. So he gets the wax and he paints the boat so it'll float. And Georgie takes it outside and lets the boat go. And he chases the boat. Yeah, yeah. This is, you know, if you've seen the miniseries, they, they start the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And it's an iconic scene for a reason. And, and this movie adapts it incredibly well. Yeah, because it's like, what the fuck is a clown doing in a drain? Yeah, Long exactly. Yeah. That's the first thing I always think about. I'm like, what the, what the fuck is a clown doing in a storm drain? Yeah. So, anyways, the boat goes out of control and goes down the drain, and this is where we find Pennywise. And Skarsgård's performance here is very different than Tim Curry's, and that's not a bad thing by any means. Mm-hmm. He certainly makes the character his own. But the one thing that I think I took away from this scene that's very different is I always thought Tim Curry played him like a supernatural pedophile. Yeah. Like trying to gain his trust, but this is different from Skarsgård. Pennywise is hungry. Yeah. And he can, like he's salivating at the smell of Georgie. Yeah. He's and starving. he's struggling to sort of keep the veneer of the clown on so he can run this, this bit, mm-hmm. you know, because he needs, you know, he, he wants them more afraid, you know, that's what makes them taste better. So, like, he's having to try to set everything up perfectly, and I just like the way the Skarsgård plays it. Yeah. It's very different, and it lets you know how, how this Pennywise is. I like it when he laughs. Yeah. When he gets Georgie to laugh, too, mm-hmm. and then he quits it, quickly stops it. Yeah. It's really creepy. Yeah, like his human mask. It's, it just, yeah, he it just, just slipped Yeah, he can, he can only observe us a little bit, and he kind of understands what we're about a bit, but he doesn't always get humans, and I, I like those little things are off Yeah, in the way he plays the character. It reminds me a little bit like Men in Black, like wearing a human suit. This whole scene also is a little bit more, it has a little bit more to it than it does in the miniseries. They add more things from the book. Yeah. Like they mentioned the smells, and that's something that they talk about, is he can smell 
uh, everything that you would associate with a carnival, except there's also the smell of wet, rotting leaves among it. You know, so it, it, you know, Pennywise has the power to do these sorts of things, but he still can't control every bit of it. Yeah, I think is interesting. Georgie goes for his boat, but Pennywise keeps it just out of reach, and he goes further, and then Pennywise eats his arm off. Yeah, so this is something that we only heard we only heard about in the other one. Yeah. And we do actually get to to see here. He does bite Georgie's arm off and Georgie attempts to crawl away. And yeah. it was a pretty brutal scene yeah. that he attempts to and then Pennywise's long arm stretches out and pulls him in, which is a change from the book. His body is found in the book. Mm-hmm. He is not missing. Um, he is absolutely, well, they think it, some people think it could have been an accident, which I don't know how the fuck you could have think a kid with his arms ripped off because of a fucking accident, but the police force in Derry isn't great to say the least. Yeah. And, and so this is a different thing that he has taken. And I like that element that that's a, that's a change and it drives Bill further into the sewers. We'll see later. Yeah. He's obsessed with the further sewers. deeper into the barrens. And then we kick it off. We meet Mike and he has a bolt gun at a sheep's head. But he can't quite pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah, he is cautious. He does not, he's not ready to kill just like that. You know, he, he isn't at that point. His and dad I, I lectures him about his it. His grandfather, right? Or his grandfather. Yeah, his parents died, remember, in the... That's right, in the fire. And that's, that's a change, and that's a change from this one. That's not how his parents are portrayed, which is fine. He doesn't have to fight a bird monster in this one. And then we meet Beverly, and she's being bullied as well. Sophia Lillis is perfectly cast as Beverly Marsh. Yeah, it's good casting. As I read the book, I don't always see the characters from the movie, but the second Beverly Marsh appeared on screen, I saw Sophia Lillis in that yeah. in my head because that's who I imagine in that and always will because her performance is that good. You know, it is weird. I combine sort of the cast sometimes <laughs> to, to make it work. Like John Ritter's always going to be bend to me. That's fine. But she is just a, amazing here. Mm-hmm. And I think she carries off the effortlessness of her character that how much she is friends with the boys. And that's one thing that I, I always like, I know there's the gangbang in the book, but they, they are friends first and foremost. And she does a great job having chemistry with all the boys like that. I think she's almost a main character. Yeah. I think I would argue she would be the, the lead, the lead. Yeah. yeah. Because she has so much to do. Pennywise uses a lot of blood on her. I, I know I know Bill is the technically the leader of the Losers Club, but she gets just as much screen time and, and she's technically his love interest. I mean, I know yeah. a, there's a I love know there's tri- a Ben thing. There's a love triangle, but that's not really a th- that's, you know, the, not having the gangbang messes with this. <laughs> that very rarely am I going to say things like that, but you understand what I mean. Yeah. And then we meet the boys and they're all standing around talking about the missing girl. And then we meet Henry. And Henry comes up and immediately starts bullying everybody. He's our... Now, Henry, of course, is a, a piece of shit. But yeah. he's a piece of shit in every medium here. Uh, he's toned down. Well, actually, no, he's straight up willing to murder in the miniseries, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, even without the influence of Pennywise, let's go in there and kill him. He's fine. But he is certainly a darker character in this one, which is truer to the novel. Yeah, he actually cuts him. Yeah, which is truer to the novels. We'll see in a minute. And yes, that is a change that we didn't see in the miniseries. Granted, I can understand they didn't want to see another a 10-year-old carved up by a 13-year-old is maybe yeah. not what you want to see on network prime time. I understand that. Yeah. But that is true of the book. He does get cut. Ben. Ben meets Beverly, and she notices... Seems adorable. I know. Seems adorable. She notices he has a yearbook, and she's like, let me sign your yearbook. And he gives it to her, and there's nobody has signed it. Can I talk about presenting information visually? Mm-hmm. And... The book goes on and on about, and it's almost kind of sad that Ben is lonely, but doesn't realize how lonely he is. Mm -hmm. You know, he talks about like, how would a blind man know what sight is if he'd never seen anything? And it's not till he meets the Losers Club that he realizes kind of how lonely he's been. And seeing the yearbook with nobody signed is a fantastic visual way to understand that information instantly. And that, that's the one advantage of movies. You just have to be clever enough to, to realize that, to get that information across very quickly. What took Stephen King paragraphs to do, a movie can do in a shot. Mm-hmm. And this is a really good example of that. I know it's real simple things, but a lot of movies miss these kinds of marks. Like he could have simply said, I'm tired of being lonely all the time. You know, because some movies yeah. just have characters say how they feel sometimes. We just got done with rings doing that. And so this was a nice, clever way to do that. But their meeting is very similar to how it was in the book. Things are a little bit different, but the understanding, the point of their meeting is the same. 
that Ben for that moment forever falls in love with Yeah, them. he's in love. Yeah. Forever. Ever. Yeah, it's cute. But she kind of loves him too. Yeah. In her <laughs> yeah, she kind of loves him too. Kind of, you know. Yeah. She's more attracted to Bill. Yeah. Anyways. Bill makes it home and his dad confronts him about the tubes he's put together to depict the sewers. So there's a scene where they're in the garage and his dad's watching some old movies or something. I don't know. He's doing something like that. And his son comes home and he immediately starts jumping his ass because there's like a model of the sewage line in Derry. Yeah. He he basically recreated the entire sewer system down to the, to the barons. Right. Yeah. And talk about saying something with little. Yeah. This is another, this does not exist in the book. Georgie's body is found. Yeah. So there is no, hunt for his body or anything like that but and and that's the thing it takes a lot of terrorizing by pennywise for the boys to for bill to say all right whatever this thing is we need to go and kill it and bill does have that conversation in the book this movie does a better way of trying to get that across as the kids are missing because even uh the other child that you mentioned is missing her body is found as well at some point yeah so she's not missing there are child murders not missing children and that that's a difference here and i think that's also another change due to era as well in the 50s, I think it's a lot more likely that child murders could just go under the radar in just some small town. Yeah. I don't believe that'd be the case in like 1980s Unsolved Mysteries America. Yeah. But missing children? My kids go missing all the time. hmm You know? Well, it's a really sad, and but it's a good way to show Bill's grief and obsession. That's really the thing that I like about it is one of the things I lamented about the other miniseries is that, you know, Bill fucking hates Pennywise. Mm-hmm. And I can't stress that enough. Like his hatred powers him through his fear. And that's a, it's something Pennywise didn't count on. And I, I love that element about Pennywise. Like he didn't understand that. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, I can use this to make him afraid. Yeah, but you also piss him the fuck off. Yeah. And the, feel him. yeah, and that's that Pennywise didn't see that coming. And that that's one of the interesting things about his characters. Pennywise is also so much like a child. He just doesn't understand us to some extent. Yeah. And, you know, it's his undoing. But this this shows like his obsession, and I really love that, and it leads to a, a lot of what really drives him. He knows something is wrong. He can't put his finger on it, but he knows something's wrong. Yeah. The next scene is of Mike, and he's in the alleyway. It's creepy as fuck. And we have this creepy sight where he almost envisions his parents burning again. There's a door shut, and you see like the charred hands, come hands out. coming out. And it's pretty, it's a pretty intense scene. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, cause it caught me, it grabbed my attention in the theater. And th- this is playing off of some things that occurred. This is a new event that they create for the book, but it is based off something that did occur in Derry already. Yeah. And they just basically insert Mike's parents into it to give it a very personal stake. And I think it's a good change. Yeah. Uh, Mike's character is a bit shorted in this film version, but you know, there's only so much time. <laughs> There's only so much time time in the day. So I I understand that that's how it has to be sometimes. But I'm just stating the obvious here. The girl, the door is engulfed in flames, but then it opens, and there he is, Pennywise. And this is great because you see him obscured via curtain, so you can see him. You can make out his outline. You know it's him, but it, it's not clear. Mm-hmm. And. You know, Mike just stares into the distance at him. Mm-hmm. Can't take his eyes off him. And he's hit by a real fear of the racism of the police. Even though the racism is downplayed in this one. We don't get we don't need we don't get any N-word at all, no whispering of it, no hard R at all. That's gone in this version, which is fine. We still understand the point of it. He's like, you go home or you don't belong here, or something like that's what Bauer shouts, right? Yeah. And I think he throws a bottle at him while Mike is cleaning the piss out of his pants, most likely. Yeah, I know. See, Pennywise, he just avoids it. And by the way, they were like going to fucking kill him if he doesn't jump out of the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I like. I was like, you understand, you would have just run over him and killed that boy. It would, you would have gone to jail for a long time for that. We meet Stanley, and he fixes a picture only for it to come right off the wall. He picks it up, and nothing's there. Then he hears a noise, and behind him, it's the painting come to life. So this is a a change from the book, obviously, and I think this works pretty well. Honestly, to to be really frank about it, I think the imagery here is pretty creepy of the old woman, 
And her movement here doesn't bother me. I, I think they use a lot of choppy CG as this movie goes along for diminishing returns. But I think her design is so strikingly creepy, almost too strikingly creepy. Yeah. Like, why the fuck would you have that painting? Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, it was the creepiest thing I could find. Let me put it up in the synagogue. Like, what the fuck, right? I, I just don't understand why he'd have a, a painting <laughs> like that, I guess. Maybe there's something I don't understand about it. I don't know. But it's just like creepy for creepy's sake. Mm-hmm. It does work. I, I think this is a particularly chilling scene. Next, we get a glimpse of Eddie's mom. She's a large woman who is constantly looking just needy. Yeah, yeah. She's a it's like this little hypochondriac, and there's yeah. a little Munchausen by proxy here. She's sweating. Yeah, she's uh, and she. This is how she's portrayed in the books: a big, fat, gross woman. Yeah. And Eddie will eventually marry a woman who's a big, fat, gross woman, as King is very quick to point out over and over again. And would you like to holler at her breasts? Are King would let you know that too. <laughs> We're back with Ben, and he's writing a poem to Beverly. Yeah, so he he is in the library. The library is his den. This is his sanctuary. Yeah. He loves the library. Talks about how Ben loves to read, so that element comes across perfectly. Ben's character is really, really well done in this version, as is Bill, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And, and like, Richie, you know, like, as annoying as Richie can be, Richie's a good guy, and that comes across, too. But we'll get to that in a sec, but... I just wanted to mention that, like a lot of the characterizations, even though there's some changes, are really spot on, except for Mike, who gets a little shafted. That's good to that's good to know. Yeah, actually, in, in all honesty, I mean, I, I feel like these characters are very accurate. It's probably why King really likes this adaptation. Yeah, but yeah, just I just wanted to mention that, like a, a lot of these guys are spot on, which is very cool. What's Ben doing in the library? You ask. Well, he's reading about Derry's past, and as he flips through the book, it starts to change, and he flips the pages. And he sees one red balloon come in his sight. So these are changes from the book, obviously. And I like this scare a lot. Him flipping through the pages. And it's just a a close-up each time on that severed head. Mm -hmm. And very creepy-looking severed head. And I think that works really well. The same thing with the lone balloon coming down the hallway of of the library. And he escapes downstairs to the, the archival area with the microfiche and everything like that. Which is the worst place to go. If you're ever yeah, scared. he follows like an egg. Yeah. What looks like an egg. Burnt, burnt eggs. Burnt eggs. Yeah, because that's what is from the fire from that on, on Easter Sunday. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that's why all the kids were killed. They were, they were p- on Easter eggs. He picks one up and he sees another. Son of a bitch burned him alive. He picks another one up. Then he sees a dark figure come down the stairs. This isn't. And it's good. headless. Yeah, so this is the other half of the kid. So... And this has a lot of that CG jerky kind of motion to it. And it's okay here. I still think this is a creepy scene. And I love him running into the librarian and freaking her out. You know, I I like that a a lot. But I I don't think the the imagery on this one is necessarily the best, which is unfortunate. But I think the the image of the headless kid can be a little, it can be pretty shocking. He runs into the library. He runs in the librarian. The the miniseries was much more accurate to some extent about what occurred. You know, he just kind of sees Pennywise on the ice and there's a, a, you know, he's almost freezing to death and Pennywise is just in his costume and the wind is blowing right at Pennywise and he sends the balloon right at him and he turns into the mummy, you know, because that's, that was what a kid would find scary in the fifties. So this is a a different change. And I think it's a good update, an incredibly good update because it would have been really weird if he went to go see a mummy. What do you think about Pennywise's costume? Because I think it's interesting because it doesn't look like a traditional clown, but it does. Yeah, a very 1920s, yeah. you know, turn-of-the-century kind of clown look as opposed to Bozo. As I know opposed they, to what Jim Curry kind of used. I know they tried to, whoever dressed him, tried to get it across that he was old and ancient. So he's been alive through different periods of time. So he would have different styles of dress on. Which is, it kind of comes across. Yeah, because he almost feels like he could be like a medieval court jester in yeah. some angles. Yeah, it's really interesting. Ben runs into the library, and then Ben gets bullied a little bit. Henry slices an H in Ben's stomach. Yeah, so here's where we get this, but it is obviously more brutal in this sequence. And it is the same where you see a car pass by. Yeah, and nobody does anything. They, they don't help. And that's in the book. That's in the book. That's the, bullshit. Yeah, that's in the book. They can't see. Can't. They're not allowed to help. So they drive on. And I, I like that element being present here. I like the brutality here. I like the bullies even going like, whoa. Like yeah. when, when he starts carving up, like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, we, we're going to scare him. 
know, because the other guys aren't, you know, what's what, what's the word? Psychopaths? Yeah. yeah. So they're not willing to go that far. And all that's in, incredibly accurate, so. Well, he gets away. And we're with Stanley, Eddie, Bill, and Richie. And they're putzing around the drains, storm drains. Yeah. Building dams. Yeah. And they find Betty Ripson's shoe. And Betty Ripson's the girl in the story that's gone missing and everybody's kind of looking for her. Yeah. So like I said, this is a change to make it a little bit more of a mystery for the kids, which I think is a, a good change to drive the narrative forward. Yeah. As I said, Betty Ripson's body is found, I do believe. Eventually. Yeah. But in the novel, they they just, they, they know where she's at. They find her. Bill, he wants to go into the sewers because he wants to, he's looking for Georgie. Yeah. He's constantly looking for Georgie. If I was Betty Ripson, I'd want to be found, which is a very good point. Yeah. See, I would also want to be found. Yeah. But Stanley and Eddie don't want to go into the sewers. And then this is when Ben shows up. Which is fair. And they argue about staph infections and gray water. And yeah. The kid from Stranger Things, whose name I just forgot. I think he does a much better job, uh, a much nicer job with Richie in this version. I think Richie's given a little bit more to do. That's Riff Wolfhard. Yes, thank you. Finn Wolfhard, thank you. Yeah. I, I like what he does here because Richie is, Richie's a good person and that didn't come across in the other one. Mm-mm. Not necessarily Seth Green's fault. He didn't have a lot of time with the role. The older actor, I thought, didn't really sell that. Yeah. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't really help with that. So I, I wanted to mention, I, I do appreciate this version of the character. One of the bullies, Patrick, goes into the sewer because he hears something. He has a lighter and a spray can to create a torch. Then he kind of stumbles a little bit, and then some zombie kids show up. Yeah, he sees the zombie version of the kids that are missing, and then he gets a, a jerky moving Pennywise to yeah. take him out. This is okay. It's okay. Come, Pennywise comes for him. This he is gets the movie's strongest moment. The gang basically goes and gets supplies for Ben because he's all cut up. They can't afford supplies. So who do they meet? But Beverly. Yeah. And she goes and distracts the pharmacist by she's talking to the pharmacist pedophile. Yeah, she's basically flirting with him, and he's like, "Oh, you look so good in them glasses, little girl." Ugh, it was yeah. so gross. <laughs> yeah, like he is way too into it for it to be any kind of wholesome at all. But they don't—they don't play it as such, and I, I think it works really well. It's a cute scene. They sneak out with all the supplies. As the kids get out, and she <laughs> she follows suit. Yeah, she gets out of there. And Beverly is concerned about Ben, but he kind of dismisses it out of embarrassment, I think. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't yeah. want to look like a, like a wuss in front of his girl. Beverly takes off, and she goes home, and her dad is super gropey. But it, does, it should be mentioned that at this point, Beverly is invited into the Losers Club. Yeah. yeah she is invited to, to hang out with them and to, to spend some time with them at the, the rock quarry. But yes, she does go home and meet her very creepy dad. She goes into the bathroom because he, he like touches her hair. Yeah, like he caresses her hair. Yeah. You know, very You're still disturbing. my girl. You're still my girl, aren't you? <laughs> and she goes in the bathroom and cuts all her hair off, which I couldn't blame her. God damn. Your dad's going to come home and touch you like that. Yeah, realistically, it's the only thing that kind of makes sense in all honesty for her to yeah. do. Like, you watch that and you're like, yeah, that's fair. I was kind of, you know, I have that weird cliche where I hate haircutting scenes in movies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a rebirth, but this is a little different. Like, yeah, like her dad just creeped her out on a level she can't really deal with. And I think that's a good way for a teen, a young teen to process that. Yeah. Next scene, we got the gang in their underwear. Yeah, we got everybody in their underwear. And this, by the way, I should mention, we do actually have a, a fat version of Ben. Yeah. Because the kid in the other version could barely be qualified as Husky. Yeah. But, you know, he, he is. But, well, I mean, they called him, you know, Henry calls him tits. All the boys call him tits. So that I think that is a, a good change. He is appropriate size in this one. They're at the walk, rock quarry, and they're contemplating jumping into the water. But all of a sudden, Beverly's there, and she beats him to it. Yeah, she just takes the dive right into the water. She outdoes the boys, and they, they all jump in. Even I think they were all scared shitless to do it, but they didn't have a choice after Beverly yeah. did. They all had to jump. Yeah. I like it. It's a fun scene. They all play together in there, and it's it's just it's a bit more of the coming-of-age story that it is that really wasn't there in the miniseries. I suppose it was a documenting of the events, and they recalled them. But it is very much a coming-of-age story, something Stephen King is wickedly fucking good at. All the boys are staring at Beverly while she suns herself. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> scene where she looks over and like they all turn around. They're not being pervy about it. They're just a girl in her underwear. Yeah. What are they supposed to do? I have seen that. <laughs> I, I really like it. But they all sort of calm down about it. And 
you know, they, they weren't all necessarily hot for Beverly. I, I remember there's a nice chapter in the book where Richie talks about he likes Beverly. Like he liked her because she was tough. She was like one of the dudes. Granted, a pretty dude, but she was like one of the dudes. And and let, that's just how he really felt about her. And I, and I like that. A lot of the boys felt that way about her. Like she, you know, she didn't take any shit and they just, she was cool, you know, and, and it, you know, it wasn't a weird thing. And it was easy to get that across. And the movie does a nice job with that for the most She fits part. in. Yeah. Yeah. This is where she belongs. They pass around Ben's research and then the gang goes to Ben's house. So they, they have to have a, a weirdly clunky scene where they introduce like all these killings and stuff like that, because these are talked about necessarily like over time and in different ways in the book. So, mm-hmm. and you can't really do that, obviously. So you have to sort of say like, y- you have to lay out like, okay, here's what the killer does and how he works. You have to have that scene in the movie. And I, I think this is a, a way to do it. it. It doesn't have the same scare that was in the miniseries, but they're condensing a lot of stuff. As you see, there's a whole scene for that scare later on, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's way better done in this film. Eddie, he's walking by an old creepy house. He's fumbling with his pills and he drops them. After being spooked by a, what I called a zombie, but you said it was a leper. It's a leper. And this is uh, straight from the book, basically. Except he's offering a blowjob in the book. Yeah, he's like, I'll suck your dick. Come here, kid. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how I imagine him sounding. Yeah, you can put it in my nose hole if you want. Because, yeah, I mean, he does mention, like, his face is rotting away and everything like that. And he chases him around. Yeah, he chases. I like how that threw you for a loop. Yeah. He chases Eddie around. He ends up seeing Pennywise after being chased around by a leper. And he's he's being chased by a leper because he's got his hypochondriac mom. Yeah. Constantly in his ear, thinking he's sick all the time. Next scene, we have Beverly. And she reads Ben's poem. And she loves it. Yeah. Does she know it's Ben's poem yet? No. No, she, she is unaware. But it's cute. Yeah. No, but she either, either way, it, it makes her immensely happy. Like, she's always talks about not necessarily being into all the girly stuff like that. But that poem, like, she melts mm-hmm. <laughs> is, the, is the way to put it. She melts. <laughs> she goes to the bathroom and then hears something talking in her sink. She takes a tape measure to the sink and pulls up a bunch of hair, which then wraps around her. She gets a face full of blood. Yeah, and, and this is a very good interpretation of the scene here. As you can see, the scene isn't in both versions here, and this is done better because you can only do a little bit of blood in a miniseries, while this completely coats the room in it. Mm-hmm, yeah. And like, it's just this red bath, like, as her father walks in and... And touches everything. And like Beverly is just mortified on the ground, covered head to toe, yeah. dripping in blood, and he can't see it. All he's concerned about is her hair. We get another scene with Billy quietly mourning his brother. He's upstairs in his brother's bedroom and he's kind of looking at his toys and he's just mourning him. But he hears something. So he goes downstairs and he thinks he sees Georgie. He goes into the basement. And he does see Georgie. This is fucking metal as shit. Yeah. Georgie teases him. He said, you'll float too. You'll float too. Over and over and over. He realizes that Georgie is just a puppet being controlled by Pennywise. Yeah. And Pennywise throws him to the ground and does a really weird looking walk over the water uh, to get over to him. But I I like this more than some of the choppier stuff later on and kind of slinks over to him as Bill barely escapes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's creepy. Yeah. Bill... Skarsgård, man. Yeah. Goddamn. Bev asks the gang to come see her bathroom because she still kind of doesn't believe it because of her dad's reaction. Yeah, like I said, no, no adult can see that. Only the kids can. So she needs them to come over. And it is such a relief to her. That they, that, they see it. Yeah, that they see it. And the movie establishes that pretty well. They have a nice little cleaning montage. Yeah, they clean up the bathroom. Because like I said before in the other one, they have to clean that. Because the blood is there, even if they can't see it. Her dad will get insanely sick if he, he just hangs around that bathroom full of human blood. Ben scopes out Bev's room Yeah. while he's there. Bev and Bill, they talk. She tells him about the, that the rumors aren't true about her. Because there's a bunch of shitty rumors going about she's Yeah, we, we missed about that in the introduction. Yeah, yeah. The, the other girls at school hate her. Be- Beverly was the first to develop and is very pretty. So the other girls despise her because she's poor and pretty. Yeah. And then the gang, they start talking about their sightings of Pennywise. Yeah. 
And I, I like this as they go down the line, sort of talking about dealing with having having these visions and seeing these supernatural things. Mm-hmm. Mike is. I did. We did miss, by the way. The she asked Mike about January embers. Oh yeah, yeah, and, he, and oh, not Mike. She asked, but she, she, that would have been weird. Bill. She asked Bill about it. Pardon me. Yeah, I was kind of wondering. Yeah, she asked Bill about it, and he doesn't know. So I, I did like that. That she, that's who she wanted the poem to be from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah she had the Hotford Bill. Yeah, but she has been. Mike is being bullied, and he sees Pennywise wave at him with a severed head, kid's hand. Another accurate to the book change. Yeah. yeah. The gang comes to save Mike. I think and, it's a leg in the book, though. And they throw rocks at the bullies and chase them off. They were able to have some good confrontations with the bullies here and able to get the better of them for a change. Yeah. And able to, uh, to get off uh, Henry and Belch and the other one whose name I just forgot. Sorry. The gang talks again about all the bad things that have been happening in Derry and that it seems to happen every 27 years. Yeah, they've done more research, so they're uh, better together as a team here to understand. Now, we are combining a lot of things here so we can get to the meat of what is the story here pretty quickly. And that's okay, because you, you don't always have to go down every nook and cranny. We don't have to know about the space turtle and to do any of that kind of stuff. None of that's really important in this story. What is, is important is friendship and this coming-of-age story and these kids yeah. and the evil clown. Mike tells a story about his parents' brutal death by fire. He basically sees, he says he sees the skin on their hands melted to the bone. Yeah, and this is a great creepy scene where they all go down and talk about what they're afraid of and what they've seen. And, you know, we have... <laughs> I like how uh, What's-His-Face is afraid of clowns. Yeah. Revealing that, like, the worst possible thing you could be afraid of in this scenario. Yeah. And that, that's good. You know, I think this is a great scene playing off the chemistry of the young cast. Yeah. This movie is incredibly well cast and well acted. Incredibly. The game, I love all these kids. I do. Yeah, they are great. I wish they'd have been my friends as a kid. They're fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Skarsgård had a lot of good, good things to say. I can imagine. They, they play off each other. So that's why they brought him back in the sequel. With they were professional. Sequel, Diminishing Returns. They, they, they seemed fantastic. They were, I, I don't have enough compliments for how well that cast worked together. Because to me, they are the losers club. When I read that book, I see all those kids. Yeah. Except for Jonathan Brandis. The gang goes to Bill's house to look look at a map of the sewers. They put on a slide projector, and it suddenly has a mind of its own. Yes. So this is the new version of looking in a book and seeing the photos come to life, which is one of Pennywise's favorite attacks and techniques in the book. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't really do that necessarily in the... This version, this is the stand-in for it, and this is so incredibly well Yeah, done. it really is. The way the level of horror jumps up among the cast, because that's what we're getting. Just like I talked about before, you know, we talked about this with the the grudge and the ring, like those yeah, movies masterfully Rich- directed, you show someone's reaction to a scare, and then we see the what's fucking scary. Richie hasn't seen anything yet. Yeah. And, this is and, his first introduction to Pennywise. Yeah, and him being absolutely freaked out by this extended... Now, I mean, Richie always thought that there was something weird going on. Yeah. And Richie does see more in the book, so th- th- that is different, by the way. I think in the miniseries, they Stanley sees things last and stuff like that. When that you know, in this one, Stanley sees things sees sees it first, first. and that that's another change here. I do believe Stanley does see it last in the book, if I do recall. And Richie is with Bill when the first time he he shows him a Georgie's photo album that comes alive, and he shows him, "Look, this will happen," and a photo does come alive, and Bill tries to put his hand into a moving painting, Pennywise almost cuts his fingers off and so he, he's a little bit more exposed in the book than he is here but i, I love the way it's played I, I really do the photos coming to life faster 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 the hair over bill's mom becoming pennywise yeah and when he emerges he's a goddamn giant which i didn't expect yeah and it's really good it's terrifying it's terrifying and he's he's blinking in and out of existence, just like the slide projector would. So you can't see him all the time, mm-hmm. and it makes it even worse. Thankfully, the smartest of the Losers Club, Ben, comes to the rescue and pulls up the garage door to show in the light to put Pennywise away. Ben yeah. is really, really smart. Yeah, it's it's a really cool scene. I yeah. like it a lot, too. Yeah, th- this is incredibly well done. This is a better version of what's in the book. Mm-hmm. This is a better version of, obviously, what's in the miniseries. This really nailed the horror that Pennywise can really bring and the fun he wants to have, right? 
Oh, oh Pennywise loved that. He's giving, he's just having a Pen, Yeah, Pennywise loved that. And that's what's cool about it. Well, they go to the creepy house that, um, what's the little guy's name? Eddie. The little guy. The little <laughs> fella. The house on Nabolt Street. Yeah. Nabolt Street. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They go to the house on Nabolt Street. Which is not in the miniseries. But I, I understand why. You, you need to condense things. Bill makes an impassionate speech. And he eventually convinces everybody to go inside. He doesn't stutter once. Mm-mm. And he's like, I need your help. This is, we've got to do this. Like, you know, I, I love this moment because this is how the book Bill does a very similar thing. And he has to convince everybody to go into the belly of the beast and try to kill it. And because that's his plan in the book, 1950s Bill is like, listen, whatever it is, no one else could do anything about it. We have to. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, you know. And there's even a moment in there where Richie's like, what if it's not a man? What if it is this thing that brings things to life yeah. and can turn into a giant and a mummy and a werewolf or in this one, a headless boy? What if he can do all those things? What do we do? And Bill's hatred is so strong. We will figure out what we need to do. Yeah. He has to die. I, I love that. That is still in this version of the character. Mm-hmm. And so they go into the house here where before... In the book, they would meet the teenage werewolf who they just saw in a horror movie. Yeah. Richie finds a missing poster of himself and freaks out. They hear a girl's voice. They see Betty Ripson get drug away. Yeah. Then, nice they, touch. then they go after her. Eddie thinks he hears something. He does what he should do. He separates. Yeah. He separates from everybody. He falls to the floor. Richie thinks he hears Eddie and gets locked into a room by himself. It's a room full of clowns. There's a coffin, and it's a puppet version of Richie. Pennywise comes right out of the coffin. Bill rescues him. Yeah, Bill's able to help save the day there. And I, I like the, the way this whole scene's played. And there's an old cameo from old Pennywise as well. Mm-hmm. You can see the, the 1990 version in this scene. But you need to be looking for it. And I, I like the way this is done as well, especially when they come out of here and what happens next. Eddie wakes up. To Pennywise. With a wicked broken unfolding arm. Unfolding himself. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he's. Out of the fridge. He's coming out of like the worst frozen dish ever out of this fridge. That's so cool. Yeah, the way it's done is great. And also, I love Eddie's really, really broken arm. Yeah. Like it's bent in the middle of the arm. Yeah. And Pennywise immediately starts trying to eat Eddie. Yeah, he starts opening his mouth as wide as possible. Meanwhile, Bill and Richie see Betty in a room hanging. Yeah, they have three doors. Mm-hmm. Not so scary, scary, incredibly scary. They go with not so scary, and it's half of Beverly hanging. Mm-hmm. And they shut the door, and they start freaking out, and Bill is able to come back to it. His hatred is able to drive him through the sequence where he's like, it's not real. And they go through, and so they open the door, and Betty's not there anymore. Yeah. Because it's all an illusion. And immediately, Pennywise is like, they're not afraid. Mm-hmm. And he knows he has bigger fish to fry at this point. Mm-hmm. They hear Eddie screaming and go towards him. Bev stabs Pennywise in the face with something metal. Pennywise slinks back to his hole in the basement where a well is. Yeah, and they learn something about Pennywise here. Is it in a physical form? He's in a physical form. You can hit him. You can hurt him. And he's quite weak in his preferred physical form. Mm -hmm. You know, that is for subterfuge, for camouflage. It's not necessarily for battle. So that's one thing that the kids have over him. You know, they, they see that what can work against him. But sadly, it also drove them to their fears and, and broke, almost broke Eddie in half. Mm-hmm. The gang gets out of there and they get into a fight. They're all just scared, basically. Yeah. But they go their separate ways, mm-hmm. especially after Eddie's broken arm. He has to go to the hospital. Now, it should be mentioned that everything that occurs in the finale of the first episode of the miniseries is very, very accurate to the book. A lot of this is, is invented, mm-hmm. uh, especially what, what comes up next with him sort of taking Beverly. You know, that's not something that Pennywise does. They all go down together. And so, you know, we lose some things like the slingshot, but like I said, Hey baby, movies are movies, games are games, books are books. You're going to need to change a few things if you want to tell an effective story mm-hmm. in two hours or 15 minutes. Yeah, and I think job. these were very good changes to make. Yeah. And I think the personal stakes that are here are very good, and it moves away from something 1950s like melting down silver in your neighborhood to go try to kill a werewolf or something like that. Like the kids are sort of on attempt to, you know, it doesn't necessarily work as well in 1988. We're back with the bully Henry, and he's about to shoot a cat, but his cop dad comes home and berates Henry. 
and basically embarrasses him by shooting at his feet and calls him a paper man. Yeah, yeah. He embarrasses him in front of the other bullies and everything like that. And like he's like almost like crying there later, mm-hmm. which I which I like. You know, like it it really affects like his father is a horrible person. Yeah. He's a horrible person, his father is worse, most likely. Yeah. You know, except his father gets to be a professional bully as a cop. Yeah. <laughs> he found a way to channel that rage and young uh Henry hasn't. Henry, right? Yeah. Yeah, Henry hasn't. So I do like the way that this is done. Henry sees a red balloon on a mailbox. Yeah. And he goes towards it. He slowly makes his way over to it to find He opens the box and it's a knife. Yeah, he finds the knife inside from earlier that he lost. He takes the knife, goes inside, and kills his dad. Yeah, he slits his dad's throat right then and there with a Pennywise on the TV cheering him on mm-hmm. in like a fake children's show. This is really creepy. Yeah. Uh, this is well done. This is different from what's in the book, but the gist is certainly understood here. I did want to mention, by the way, on the Blu-ray, Henry does kill the other two bullies, and that's not in this. Damn. Actual, yeah, he does kill both of them. Before he tracks the Losers Club into the house on Nybolt Street, you see them with their throats cut in his car as he's like, <laughs> like kind of losing his mind, basically. Oh, wow. And that, that's gone. for this. And it's actually, I think it's a bad change. I probably should have left it in. I think it's a cool scene. But I wanted to mention that now. Technically not canon, but it was shot. We're back with Bev, and she tries to leave, but her dad accosts her because he's basically like, I got to see if you're still my girl. Yeah. He acts all pedophile Yeah, he throws her on the ground and attempts to sort of mount her. Yeah, she asks, he asks if she's still his girl, like he's going to check if she's a virgin. He tries to rape her, basically, but he kicks, she kicks him right in the balls and then yeah. kicks him in the face. Yeah, she takes off. She hides in the bathroom where she lays the trap with the toilet lid mm-hmm. and knocks him the fuck out. Yeah, he kicks in the door and she's waiting for him. Knocks him clean out. Maybe killed him. We don't know. The book equivalent to this sequence is um, similar, but it's it's more implied that he's under the control of Pennywise than I think this one is. I think this yeah. one, he's just, it's not really implied that way at all. Mm-mm. Other than Pennywise shows up right after to take Bev. Mm-hmm. Pennywise comes for Bev. Billy goes to Bev's house and she's missing, but Pennywise left a note. Yeah, because this is Pennywise's plan. And understood, it's not a great plan if mm-hmm. you have the weaknesses of Pennywise here. He Once again, he fails to understand how angry this will make all of the yeah. Losers Club for attempting to kill someone they all love. Yeah. He doesn't get that idea, and I really like that about him. After fighting with Richie, he go, Bill goes immediately to Richie and tells him, it's got Bev. They call Eddie, and he sticks up for himself against his mother. Which is a nice scene. He deserves that little bit of redemption there. It's great. They all, they all kind of stick up for themselves. They all do. They, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's what it's all about. Except yeah. for Mike. He doesn't get the screen time. <laughs> I, I'm going to bitch about it the whole time. High school character. Doesn't get his, he doesn't get his, his, any love here. The gang gets together and goes to the house. Bill t- tells Stan, because Stan doesn't want to go into the house. He tells him, if they stick together, they can beat him. But Stan is scared. But yeah, this is still different from the book, but very accurate. Yeah. And nonetheless, it is still like the gist of the situation. They all get some rope and they go into the well. Bev wakes up in Pennywise's lair. And so Pennywise's lair is a complete change from the book. And we understand the meaning behind the line, you'll float too. Yeah. And we see all the dead children, the missing children, they're all floating in the air above mm-hmm. this structure. This like pile of bodies and trash and garbage that is Pennywise's lair. Mm-hmm. And it's all ch- children's stuff, like bikes. Exactly, and yeah. Toys all and the things that fascinate him as well. Yeah. It's a big mound of children's toys and corpses floating overhead. Pennywise shows up. Bev. We get the meme scene where he, yeah. Pennywise, the dancing clown, where the. It's creepy. It's stabilized, it's like a, stabilized on his face while the world moves around. You got like him. a bass hitting. Yeah, him. yeah. It, it's, this is a creepy little sequence. This mm-hmm. is part of the CG motion, I think, is pretty well done. And, and him coming out to get her and to. Show her the deadlights. Bev tells her he isn't scared of him. So what does he do? He shows her the deadlights. Yeah. And she goes right up to floating. Yeah, and I like that. The deadlights immediately impact her, and she floats straight into the air. Meanwhile, Mike gets hit over the head by Henry. He takes up the rope, and he goes to attack. But Mike gets the better of him. He uses a gun that kills the livestock. I can't remember what that's. Bolt gun, I guess? 
Yeah, I, I, we know what it is. It's yeah. all, it, it drives that bolt in there. It's similar to what Anton Sugar carried around. He misses and push and Mike pushes him off and pile drives him into the well where he falls to his death. Yeah, he gives him like a Goldberg spear. He does not die. He gives him a Goldberg he spear. Doesn't? No, he's in the next one. You know that. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that event still occurs. Oh. Well, yeah. I assume it's been years since we've seen it, but I'm pretty yeah, sure I'm, I'm Henry Bowers does. I don't remember. Henry, Henry, yeah, no, Henry's that, that does not kill Henry Bowers in the miniseries. He does come back, and yeah. he should be in it chapter two. I don't, I don't think that is that. that I don't remember him. I, I don't believe that's his either. canonical death, but yes, I, I barely remember it. Chapter he falls two. so. Far. He does. He does, but he, that does not kill him. If we're going by King logic, he's still alive. But it's a brute. You are right. It's a brutal fall. Yeah. Stanley gets separated from the group which is the no-no, and Pennywise shows up. But the gang rescues Stanley anyways, and Stanley gives it to the gang. He's like, you fucking left me. Yeah, you fucking assholes. Because Pennywise bit into his face. He has scars all up and down the sides of his face from Pennywise's teeth. Bill runs off, and he finds Beverly floating. Eddie sees lepers in the water after dropping his flashlight. And the rest of the gang eventually finds Bev as Bill goes off. Further into the sewers. Yeah. Bill has seen Georgie. We get a cute scene of Ben kissing Beverly. Yeah, all the... all the, back. They drag her down and nothing can wake her up. And True Love's Kiss wakes her up. And she immediately... January embers. Mm-hmm. And he finishes the poem. Yeah. And she knows and he knows. Bill eventually finds Georgie. And Georgie is not a zombie. He doesn't look bad at all. He just looks yeah, like he himself. He looks a malnourished kid trapped in a sewer mm-hmm. for a month. His arm isn't there still, and he's begging, he begging. He wants to go home. Bill to take him home. And this is such a cool scene, because Bill just takes the gun and walks over to him. I miss you so much, Georgie. I miss you so much, but you're not Georgie. And he puts that gun right to his head and pulls the mm-hmm. trigger, and he goes down. And it's great, because I remember in the theater, it's silence. Because Georgie doesn't move at all when he hits the ground. I know. It takes like eight seconds. And then, boom, he starts Pennywising. Yeah. <laughs> because it almost lets you believe, like, was, was that Georgie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> was, that, was that really Georgie? Oh, shit. Like, I, I love the way it's done. And when he starts coming, it, it's just the perfect amount of time when he comes to life as Pennywise. And this is where they attack Pennywise. He grabs Bill and says he'll make a deal with the, the gang. If he can have Bill, he will let them all go. They attack him anyways. Yeah, this is... This is incredible because it, it shows Pennywise's lack of understanding of humans. Yeah. Especially people that love each other. <laughs> you know, it's great because they offer them the deal and Richie gives them the rope of dope that he is thinking about the deal. He's like, you made me come in the sewer. You punched me in the face. And now here I am where I got to kill this fucking clown. And all the kids rally and beat the living shit mm-hmm. out of Pennywise. They're all, he keeps bringing their fears and throwing them right back in their face, and they just keep pummeling. And we get a, a cameo from the mummy. Yeah. We get a cameo from the mummy. all over Eddie. Yeah, yeah. And they just keep on fighting Pennywise. They're not afraid anymore. Bev stabs him in the mouth. He loves humans because of our imagination. Mm-hmm. It's No creature has imagination like Pennywise has, and like we rival him in that. Yeah. And that's what he finds so delicious about us. But all of it turns on him in this one scene. Because all that imagination that he can use is completely turned against him, and he's turned to this weak nothing against them. Yeah, they defeat him. And I love it. Yeah, they, com- they completely destroy him mm-hmm. as he has to escape down the well one more time, mm-hmm. uttering one word as he falls down, as he falls apart. Fear. And he's gone. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty cool. This is not what happens in the book, but that's not important. This is well done, and it's pretty much the same thing. They defeat him. Yeah. For now. For now. For now. All the kids float down. Bill he, finds Georgie's raincoat. He grabs that. And they all make a pact. Beverly lays down and they all go to... T- that is not in this version. Ugh. But this is where, where it occurs. Well, they actually, they're wandering the, the, the Barons lost and in despair. And Beverly has this idea, I guess, to give them hope again, to connect them after the horrors they've seen. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. It's it's not certainly my favorite passage of a Stephen Doesn't King make book. any fucking sense. No, it really it really doesn't. It it's just sort of strange. But I mean, everything about I the whole thing. is I strange. wasn't thinking about gang bangs at her age. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's just what occurs. I mean, it sort of implied the closeness of the Losers Club to some extent, and boy, it does. <laughs> it certainly does. But it's 
narratively unnecessary to what the other work this film does to make sure you don't have to include a 12 year old gangbang scene to, mm-hmm. to make it work. And I, I, I feel for all these kids. I, I, like I said it earlier, I wish they were my friends when I was like that age and stuff like that. This is an incredible, incredibly portrayed and written group of people to be the losers club that you could read about. See, I had like that. May, yeah, to be. I had that as a kid. I had a group of friends. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you, this is like the kind. That. Yeah, this yeah. is the people you you would want. That's what I'm saying. They feel so authentic. Yeah. In that way, shape, or form, and how they deal with these fears feels authentic. You know, because no one's no one's going to save them. <laughs> they got to save themselves. You know, it's the one thing I I love in fiction when regular ass people go and fight a supernatural ass thing because ain't nobody else going to do it. I love it here. I love it in the last season of Stranger Things when Nan and and Steve go to fight a fucking god <laughs> in the nether realm with a baseball bat and a Molotov cocktail. Mm-hmm. I love that because sometimes you just got to do that and. This establishes that so well, and the thing I like about the story of it, especially with the kids. Everybody makes a pact that if he's not dead, they come back. Yeah. And they already begin to forget. They cut each other's palms, and then eventually, they just all go off one by one Mm. until it's just Bill and Bev. They share a nice little moment. And they kiss. And a kiss. And then it, chapter one title card. This is a masterful film. I give it a nine out of ten. There are some scares that I don't particularly care for, uh, some of the cliches of what the horror was at that time, uh, but this is the best film version of this that they could have really done, in my opinion. Is this your favorite Stephen King adaptation? No. What's your favorite? Gerald's Game. Ooh. I like Gerald's Game. Ooh, I love Gerald's I liked, Game. I like Gerald's Game a lot. Um, God, I saw that movie like five times in a month, yeah. and I still love that movie. I love that movie, even though I had the worst case of food poisoning I've ever had. During that, you remember that? Oh my God, I I threw up my soul that night. You're so. Oh my, I've never been that sick before. But I remember coming back to the couch like, oh God, I feel awful. But I think this movie's really, really good. (laughs) Like, like, like that was my thought. I was just like, God, I feel terrible. But man, this is a really good version of this story. Because I, I, my brother-in-law Patrick, he had that was like one of the books. He said, try reading this one. And I, I like Gerald's Game a lot. It's not that long. But it's all like internal monologue, and the way it's done is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be this or The Mist, which I think is incredible as well. We're talking about horror adaptations, and I, I think we'll stick to that for this conversation because Shawshank would be his best adaptation. But I think if you're talking horror, I think that's really good. You know, I have a soft spot for Silver Bullet. But I would say The, the Mist and, and, and this, and Gerald's Game, are the cream yeah. of the crop. But I, I think Gerald's Game is probably the strongest also for difficulty of adaptation. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that's I can a imagine. yeah, that's a more difficult book to to really get across. I haven't read it, but I can only imagine because of the way it's written. It's a it's like a box episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. stuck in one room, one room, pretty much. Yeah, your character thinking about things that have happened in the past that have led to this moment. That's how you make a play, not a movie. Like you know, that can really, really uh, get to be pretty stale. But it, it, in the hands of a masterful director, it, it's fine. Also, his work again in Doctor Sleep almost deserves recognition for being a pretty good adaptation of that book and a pretty good sequel to Stanley Kubrick's film at the same time. Mm-hmm. Even though those are two separate stories, and we will talk about that when we do The Shining one day. We will do an episode. About Doctor Sleep and his director's cut, and the miracle of combining those. Have you two seen the director's of, cut? I have. Yes. Is it good? Yes, it's incredible. Is it better than the theatrical? I think so. I think so. It 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 has a few scenes I think that linger a bit too long, like a lot of director's cuts, like Aliens, a lot like that. Like Aliens could use another director's cut to trim down just a little bit more, but it, it still is an incredible watch to see all that's there, especially for someone who read the book, because there's a lot more that sort of left so they could have a bit more flow that would have been nice to see in there. And it was there anyway. Of course he would leave it in, you know, yeah. he loves King and he knows how to do his work. All right. Here's some trivia for you. Jack Dylan Grazier, who plays Eddie was the first one of all the kids to work with Bill Skarsgård. Pennywise during their scene, Grazier would cry and gag while Skarsgård was right in his face, yelling and drooling. Skarsgård was genuinely concerned for Grazier and after the scene ended up asking him if he was okay. Grazier looked right at him and said, love what you're doing with the character. Skarsgård was left confused and impressed. <laughs> and that's what I heard about him on the, the set, that he was really c- 
careful about how we approached the kids. You yeah. know, he didn't want to scare them, but he wanted to do his job, obviously. Yeah. So he was it wasn't like Tim Curry. He just wanted to like do whatever for the kids. Yeah. You know? The teeth prosthetics that Skarsgård wore as Pennywise made him drool profusely. Director Andy Muschietti liked this as he thought the drooling adds on to the ravenous nature of Pennywise. Which is true. This movie grossed $123 million during opening weekend, a record for a horror film. Second largest R-rated opening ever behind Deadpool. Yeah, I can't express, express enough what a massive hit this yeah. was. People were hungry for another Stephen King adaptation. And even though people did like the miniseries, it was dated. So it was the perfect time for it. It was theater. marketed really It was. Well. It absolutely was marketed. This yes. was the hottest thing since then we got, bread. We got those whole clown sightings. Yeah, like there the was so much there's so much that went into this movie. You know, one of those things that was a cultural phenomenon without even realizing that it was. Mm -hmm. And it gave us a lot more King adaptations, for better or for worse. Skarsgård actually was able to smile in such a weird way that it really intrigued the director. And now it's Pennywise's iconic smile. He originally developed a smile when he was a child and was trying to scare his brothers. <laughs> I like that. It looks great, though. Yeah. Shortly before the film released in early September at the Fan Expo Canada event, Tim Curry was asked about his thoughts on Bill Skarsgård's take as Pennywise. He states, Well... I like Bill very much. I think he's very clever. It'll be interesting on what sort of clown face he puts on because it's not an obvious clown face at all. I've seen the trailer and you can't really see him at all. So I'm fascinated to see it. He's very good. The cast of the Losers Club. I think this is my favorite um, fact. The okay. cast of the Losers Club were asked whom they wanted to play their adult parts. Film, Finn Wolford Richie said Bill Hader. Sophia Lillis, Beverly, said Jessica Chastain. Chosen Jacobs, Mike, said Chadwick Boseman. Jack Dylan Grazier, Eddie, said Jake Gyllenhaal. Wyatt Olaf, Stanley, said Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Jeremy J. Teller, Ben, said Chris Pratt. Jaden Martell, oh, I'm sorry, Jaden Martell Bill, said Christian Bale. Yeah. I like the way they fantasy book. They were able to get Chastain and Hater. Yeah. So that was pretty solid. They, I mean, they do get a good cast for the next one. And just, you know, it should be mentioned that they, you know. Last fact I have. Bill, Bill Skarsgård said that he was into his performance as Pennywise so much that he would have constant nightmares during and after production. Hmm, I like that. No, oh, it shows. It really does. He, he put everything he had into that character and it really made it his own. And I, I think it's just fantastic work. And, He's an iconic, legendary bad guy, and he absolutely earned every bit of that. Are you ready for reviews? I believe I am. This movie got a 4.4 user review, an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 7.3 out of 10. It's one of the highest rated IMDb movies we've ever done. All right. Wow. I honestly can't believe these reviews. I made an IMDb account just to write a review. I love the original and have seen it many times. This movie was horrible. I feel insulted by the directors. It wasn't scary at all. Any potential scary scene was downplayed by jokes so forcefully in inserted into the script. There are multiple major holes in the storyline as well. Hole number one. The group of bullies never once said anything about their missing buddy. Hole number two. <laughs> I, I guess so, yeah. The girl is pulled down from floating and brought back to life. Doesn't that mean that the hundreds of kids that come down from floating at the end come back to life too? Or do their rotting corpses fill up the sewers for 27 years? Does Georgie come back to life too? No, their rotting corpses fill up the sewer for 27 years. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're dead. Hole number three. The girl can't decide which boy she loves. She took the poem from the pudgy kid's room. I have to assume because she randomly ends up with her in her bedroom. But then she thinks that Bill wrote the poem somehow. The pudgy kid kisses her, bringing her back to life. True love brings back the dead girl like Princess and the Frog or something. But she winds up with Bill? He believed it. Yeah. He believed it. That's what else made it work. He believed it. Every cheesy horror film jump scene was witnessed in this film. All right, fair enough. The acting was good, but I can't see how this is touted as a horror film. I felt like I was watching a Disney movie by the end of it. <laughs> wow, he really didn't like it. He really didn't like he it at all. He this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> listen, I have some issues with some of the scares. I think they could have been done better. I think Andrew Machete is... A decent director. He directed one of our least favorite movies this year, The Flash. 
So he's certainly struggled outside of this. But either way you slice it, this is a great adaptation and a real masterpiece of the genre. Yeah. <clears throat> I know there's a backlash to it, but I still think it's fantastic. And you think this podcast is long. Just wait till next week. Yeah. Ne- next week, we are going to be taking on the second half, It Chapter 2, which we do not care for as much as we've kind of made yeah. clear in this bit. Like I said, I gave this one a nine. I high recommend. You know, we talked about being the best adaptation of King's work ever. And I think they made a lot of missteps in the second half of this story. And I'm curious to see if it's going to be a little bit better than I remember it. I hope it is. But next week's going to be a long episode. Yeah. We're going to have a lot to say. Yeah. All right. Sadly, no one, nothing will be said by Roger Ebert, who sadly was dead in 2017 mm-hmm. and dead for both of these. And Ebert's voice will not be a part of the It broadcast in any way, shape, or form. No. <laughs> Sorry, Ebert. He's dead. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. He'll be fine. He's yeah. not true. He's not fine at all. Well, if you want to get a hold of us, you go to grittyrebootcast.com. That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to get a hold of us, you can email us at grittyrebootcast at gmail.com. No, you can't. There's no grittyrebootcast.com website. It's not a thing. We don't have one of them. We do have a mini site, but that won't get you there. Uh, <laughs> and if you're looking to get a uh, looking for a more modern way to get a hold of us, you can simply follow Gritty Reboot on Instagram and a TikTok, uh, or even look for myself, Pedro Amador, on uh, Twitter or X. Well, you know Twitter. It's fine. I'm calling it Twitter. You know, that's the best way to get a hold of us. Very good. And we'll be back next week with uh, more It. So hope you guys are enjoying uh, October and spooky season. See you. Bye. <laughs>